Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages. Today I'm speaking about, um, or my sermon title is, I am alive in my village. Say, I am alive in my village. I um, went for a run. As you can see, I'm looking more and more fit every week. And uh, I've got this trail run, you know, there in the, over the road from my house on the Mechalis there where, where I like to go run often and, and go up. And so I, there's this place at the top of the hill, uh, and I reward myself. It's after about 5Ks, and it's mostly climbing until you get, it's not 5Ks elevation, but 4, 5Ks, you, you're mostly climbing. And, and then you get to this one place where I can stop and look out over the city, and it's, it's, it's my reward. It's, it's like, you know, if I start getting grumpy at home, Bernadine's like, you need to go running. And uh, <laughs> so I just go run to, to connect, you know, and, and so I'll go for a run and, and that'll be my reward spot. I'll just stop there. And most often I've actually been praying when I get to that spot. I'll just start, you know, praying over the city and praying over Pretoria and just praying as far as the eye can see and praying for all of you. You know, I know your houses are down there somewhere and, you know, it's just like just praying and and just like declaring God's goodness. And I've been doing that for as long as what I've been able to get up onto the mountain and get up and look out over the city. And um, I get to that spot. And this week I got there. And, and once again, I'm ready to just, you know, send angels to all the corners of Pretoria and, and all of that. And just like, whoosh. and this time it was different. God's like, pray for your children. So I'm like, wow, that's big. And I just started to think about it, and I did. I just prayed for our family and, and our children, and it wasn't like there was anything wrong. It was just, bless your children. But as I did that, there was a focus change. There was a focus change from focusing on the distractions, from focusing on things that really haven't actually physically affected me in any way. And there was a focus on what is most important. And I realized that God wants us, before we can fix a nation and before we can change the world, He wants us to bring His presence and His kingdom into our homes so that our families and our surroundings, our immediate surroundings experience God's goodness to the full. And it doesn't help that I'm praying out there, but I'm not praying in here. Does that make sense? And so I just realized that, you know, I'm going to call it my village, you know, this morning. It's, my village is my space. It's the area that, that I can interact with. What is your village? If I can ask you, what is your area of influence? Your, your village is, firstly, your spirit. That, that's where it starts. It's your relationship with God the Father. It's your spiritual well-being, your own. That, that's where your village starts. That's the, the well. And the second area is 
your immediate loved ones, your close family, and your close friends. I always laugh at, at Danny Silk describing how Christians have to love everyone. But in his circle of influence, there's a place for sharks. Okay, <laughs> and so, so for most people, you can, you know, interact, but for sharks, you can just wave, you know, as, you know, you can just like, okay, but your, 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 your village is your closest friends, your closest family, and then there's a third area that, that is your village, it's the people you serve, and I say that very specifically, the people you serve. Now, in today's industrialized, commercial, lifestyle living, most people are very, very far removed from the people they actually serve. I mean, if you're the guy who puts spark plugs together in the car factory, there's a guy at the Toyota store who has the final privilege of presenting someone with a new car. And you are back there building spark plugs so who do you serve and so so many people in different areas in different industries are far removed from actually serving people in the in the village sense you know in a good old village everyone served everyone this guy chops the meat this guy does this this guy does, and everyone serves and, and it's kind of what I love about the moot the moot is still like a village I live next to the guy who owned the hardware store. And over the road is the guy who's the optometrist. And, and so as you go through the community, you, you, you know, in this area, everyone is still kind of villagey. You know? Sometimes I'll come back from holiday and I'll feel like I've arrived on holiday. You know? But, you know, especially if you go to KwaZulu-Natal where it's busy and, it's, you know, and you come back here and you're like, oh man, this is villagey. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so sometimes we forget who is serving. And I want to encourage you to serve the people you work with as well. Serve the person who's next in line. Treat them as if they're your customers. Does that make sense? So that's, that's your area of influence. And a lot of the times we're distracted by what comes from outside. And we're distracted from our place where we belong. You see, your village is the place where you belong. Um, I don't say the word belong like my mom, or you know, I'm not meaning my mom, I mean, you know, like, like you belong there, you know, that like force you to be in the corner vibes. No, I'm talking about the place where you have meaning. The place where you belong. It's deeper than you're supposed to, or your purpose. This is where... You are the richest, is the place where you belong. It's where your children belong. And it's where, through the community, you find belonging and the community finds belonging. You see, when everyone is praying into their village, if I can call it that, if everyone is praying for their village, if everyone is seeing God come in their village, if you're seeing God come in your village, what you're going to find is a great sense of belonging. And the Israelites knew that. And they went up against 
both the city of Ai and, and also later the Benjamites. And one of the ways they destroyed the enemy there was they attracted the army out with the distraction. They pulled them out of where they were supposed to be. And, and so they, they pretended to be injured and they pretended to be on the back foot. And so the army came and was pulled out of their city only to at a point look back and see their village up in smoke. And it's at that moment that they lost all hope. And I want to say this morning, don't get pulled out of where you belong. Don't get pulled out of your village. Don't get pulled out of your community. Don't get pulled away from your close ones, your loved ones, the people you serve. Fighting a fight you weren't called to fight. Pursuing something you weren't called to pursue. Because if you do that, one day you're going to look back and you're going to see smoke in the place where you're supposed to belong. And what is that smoke? That smoke is when you forget where you belong. Does that make sense? Now I went back to a message I preached in February 2020 before lockdown, before you know, when COVID was still a meme. And I preached a message on Balsazar, who looked up on the wall and the hand of God appeared in, a, in his party and started writing three words. And basically translated into English, those three words were, you have been waited you have been numbered. You are divided. Your kingdom will be divided. And so what the world wants to achieve and what the world lives constantly in without a place of belonging is a constant sense of being numbered, a constant sense of being weighted, and a constant sense of being divided. You see, if you don't have a place where you belong, you will always feel incapable. You'll always feel inadequate. You'll always feel like an inconvenience. Maybe you'll feel like you just don't fit. And that's what was written on the wall in that moment, is you've rejected God. You are weighted. You are numbered. You are divided. To be weighted means to be cheap, to be useless, to be unhelpful and insignificant. How many of you would like to be that? Show hands. No? No? See, our world really, what we're seeing outside of the body is a world that is looking for belonging. But it's a world that does not want to belong. Does that make sense? And so we're, the world is trapped in, a, in an attempt to try and 
mean something, to try and be something, to try and do something. And so they look outside of the place that God has called them to be in. But the opposite of that is to be worthy, to be qualified, and to be sufficient, to not be divided. Now, I was reading about Hannah, and Hannah had no children. Hannah had no children to pray for, so she was praying for children. And in her day, they were also looting checkers. They were also stealing wagons. They were also doing all the things. There was corruption. Even in the temple, there was corruption. They were doing all of the things that they do today, that we get distracted by today. Yet she went into the house and she prayed for one thing. God, will you bless me with children? I will not be distracted. I will pray for one thing. And the word actually speaks about the fact that she was embarrassed and that her embarrassment grieved her. And not only that, but her rival, the first wife or second wife, provoked her and made her feel worse. The most amazing thing is Hannah means favored of God. Mom, you know Anne comes from Hannah. And it means, Anne is my mom's second name. It means favored of God. And yes, she is wanting to belong. And, and her gift from God, Samuel, became the gift that changed a nation. So just as I read this and I realized that as I was wanting to pray for our country and God says, pray for your own household. That by praying for your own household, by believing and trusting for your own household, God gives you a gift that could possibly change nations. But the mission and the vision of changing nations isn't distracting you from the mission and the vision of living and raising a godly household. Now, it's not just troubles of the world and all of that that, that distract. You know, as a teenager, I was growing up at school and I was distracted by what everyone else thought of me or what at least I thought they thought of me. I was very distracted. I had no confidence. I had no belief. Every day was, what's going to happen to me? How's it going to happen to me? If, if, I, if, you know, if I had to speak in class, it was like the, the worst thing that could possibly happen. And I remember riding to school being really embarrassed. We had to ride the bus. You know, it was just, <laughs> we were the, it was awesome. <laughs> we were the only kids in private school on the bus, you know. <laughs> And, and so we'd ride to school and be like, oh man, this, you know, and, and feeling embarrassed and, and all of those things. And one day God said, be yourself. Focus on who I have made you to be. Now, this sounds cliched and it sounds, you know, we've heard it so often. But I remember saying, God, 
your will be done in my life. Whatever you want, Father, your spirit. And I remember the supernatural confidence that came over me. Where an entire high school and primary school's insecurities was wiped away in a single day. That I walked into school with a new confidence. And it's a confidence that has never left. And it's a confidence that has helped in many different circumstances, having to conquer many different things. Have you ever moved away from home, gone to another town? How many of you have that experience in your life? The greatest, most difficult thing about moving town is needing to belong. It's not money, it's not finances, it's not housing, it's not anything. It's not, you know, immigration, nothing. None of that is as difficult or as challenging in our minds as needing to belong. And God wants to bring us into a place where we belong and understand that what we have is God-given. And so here... Hannah goes in and she's not distracted by this and she prays and asks God for a gift. And she says, God, I will give you this gift in return. So, so I want to encourage you, don't forget to ask for your gift, for your household, to pray into your village, into your area of influence, into the gift that God has given you. And so to be worthy, the opposite of being numbered is to be worthy, to be valuable, to be true, to be excellent. The opposite of being weighed is to be qualified, to be prepared, to be responsible, to be disciplined. I don't have enough time to branch off on all of those details, although I'd like to. The opposite of being divided is to be satisfied, to have plenty, to appreciate. And so I want to encourage you not to be distracted outside of your village. I want to speak to us as adults and youth and, and all of that, that what we have in our pockets when it comes to iPhones and Samsungs is the most distracting thing that has ever come our way. And its purpose and its goal is to distract you from your village. Never before has there been a time where the entire world is living inside your pocket. Where you can wake up in the morning and before you've hit the bathroom you've already, you already know what's happening outside the world. And so your thoughts get hijacked. The smoke is already burning in your village. And you're not aware of the fact that God is speaking to you about you. I want to say we should go on a phone fast. Where you use your phone only to phone. <laughs> that we, we're not spending time doing other things. Getting involved in other things. I'm so convicted of this. And I'm, if you're younger than 21, I'm sorry. But I don't think a phone should be in the hands of anyone younger than 21. Seriously, that's how dangerous it is. We grew up as children without phones. In high school, I got my Nokia 3110. The most amazing thing about it was Snake. 
That's that. That's why I got that phone. Was for snake. <laughs> it, was, it was indestructible and not very distracting, although it was distracting. It was, I once filled my whole screen with a snake. I got there. All right. That was it. What's that? <laughs> Hear me on this. What is in your pocket has the potential to destroy your life. Because we're getting used to listening to other people's ideas before we've even formed or thought our own ideas. Before we've allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Use, analyze how much screen time you spend on a day. And ask yourself if that screen time invested into your village or stole from your village. If it invested or spent or wasted your time. For a week I've been trying. It's hard because we're addicted. I put my phone on charger. I leave it in my room. An hour later I'm like... Seriously. And all of us are laughing because it's true. As far as I can help it, my kids will not see a phone until they're 21. (laughs) Or they can have a phone with snake. You see, we, we grew up in, it's not the phone, yeah, me. It's our want to be distracted. And we've got to learn to not want to be distracted. We've got to learn to have our attention and our focus focused on God. And we've got to have real friends, not social media friends. Your social media should be the people you know in, in the physical. That, that it's an easier way to connect to them, but you already know them. You shouldn't have more friends on social media than in real life. I made that a point. I don't add friends unless I know them. I don't add anyone to my Facebook or Instagram unless I know them in person and I've met them in person first. And I actually like them. Before I like them. Does that make sense? I know their values. I know they're going to add something to my life and I can add something to their life. But I'm not trying to be like them. I don't have anyone on my Instagram who I'm trying to be like. Except Elon Musk in some ways. But that's <laughs> and Batman, yeah. <laughs> Yomi, do not be distracted. If I release something in the church today, is that okay? Can we be challenged to go on a phone fast and use your phone to phone what it was originally invented by Graham Bell to do? Okay. Okay, what's up, (laughs) y'all? Yeah, me. Okay. 
1 Samuel 7 verse 3. Then Samuel said to all... Now listen, I didn't get on phones. I didn't say anything about phones because I'm... It's because in my life, I realized this is a distraction. I realized this is not helping me. This is not serving me. We're we're even going to change what we do in church in the sense that we're not going to focus on Facebook as much as what we focus on people who actually come to church. Does that make sense? I've spent too many years investing in the wrong things. God started to say, and then what comes after Facebook? What's, what's the next thing? Our companies and, and our whole society has been built on what social media determines for our lives. We, you know, we are paying Facebook just because they don't let you see our posts. It's not right. It's not good. It's not how society is supposed to be built. Society is built on real relationships. Society is built on, we're going to lose the ability to build relationships, to meet people, to have good conversations. But we meet people in the flesh and we're like, where's the like button? (laughs) Done, we're friends. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying it because I've realized this has become a smoke in my village. I'm not saying I'm into anything funny. I'm saying I'm distracted by what is presented even as good. And we're going to take our church out of that so that we can have real relationships. At the same time, we want to be streaming online. That's our goal. But we want to do it in a way that teaches people to have real relationships. We don't want to focus on a social media world, a distracted, news-filled space. We want to be focused on real relationship with the Holy Spirit and real relationship with people. Please hear my heart there. All right. This has all got to do with salvation. Okay. 1 Samuel 7 verse 3. And Samuel said to the house of Israel. So this is now Hannah's son. And he said, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods from among you. Put away the foreign things and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you. Deliverance starts in year. It doesn't start with any physical experience out there. Deliverance starts with serving God. In Samuel, in 1 Samuel 7, 17, it said the cities were then restored to the Lord. Hannah prayed for her village. If I can put it that way. Do you hear me? God blessed her with a son, Samuel. She took him from the place where he would normally belong and placed him in the house of God where he really belonged. And then God honored her and gave her five more children. 
and he blessed her. But she never forgot about her son. The Bible says every year she took him a robe of honor to say, you still belong. I still love you. I have not rejected you. I have not neglected you. You're still my firstborn son. And one day Samuel stood up and he brought people back to God. And it says the cities were restored to them. Come on, aren't we, not, aren't we praying for the day that the cities are restored back to us? Even more now, while they were looting, we're praying now just for businesses to be returned back to normal. We've got to be believing that God is raising up righteousness in our families and that righteousness starts every single time with us where we serve nothing foreign. We don't allow anything foreign into our minds because we're serving God We're serving our close family and our friends and we're serving our colleagues at work and we're doing it all with the kingdom-minded Holy Spirit mentality. The Bible says take every thought captive. I want to give you this practice. Ask every thought that comes your way. Say, do you belong in my village? Every single thought. Just do it a fun thing this week. Say, hey, thought, do you belong in my village? Start to identify your thoughts. Don't just allow thoughts to become belief. It's understood. We know that if you think a thought and you think it and you think it and you think it and it becomes a belief. It becomes something that you believe. So stop your thoughts before they become belief. Say, Hey, where did you come from? You're not from this village. You're from, go back to where you came from and get it out. Stop it there. Does that make sense? All right, Romans 10, Paul is writing. And he says, brethren, I long and pray to God that they may be saved. He's talking about the Jews. Jews, Jews, Jews. All right. <laughs> He's talking about the Jews. And he's saying, I long that they may be saved. But I just heard Paul's voice talking out over us, saying, I long for you that you may be saved. I bear them witness that they may have a certain zeal and enthusiasm for God, but it is enlightened and according to correct knowledge. So he's saying, I, I bear witness that they have a zeal. Um, I'm just I'm going ahead of myself here. Let me read this again. I bear them witness that they have a certain zeal and enthusiasm for God, but it is not enlightened and according to the correct knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness that God ascribes and seeking to establish a righteousness of their own, they did not obey or submit themselves to God's righteousness. In other words, distracted by what didn't come from God, they zealously tried to do the right thing but they did it on their own. God is saying today, don't try and do the right thing on your own. Ask God, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. All right, then skip down to verse eight. Um, And it says, but what does the word say? The word is near you. It is on your lips 
and it is in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and in your heart believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes and so is justified. And with the mouth he confesses and confirms his salvation. So what's happening here is there is an internal change that is taking place where what we believe no longer comes from what we read and what we see, even though oftentimes we try and read things with the best intentions. But if, what our, if our knowledge is not formed by the Holy Spirit, it's not going to bring freedom. And so when he says we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and Savior, it's not just I confess that Jesus, it it is in everything that we do and in everything that we say, it becomes evident that Jesus is Lord of our lives, that Jesus has saved us, that Jesus has brought us into a place where we belong. Anyone say amen to that? All right. So your confession isn't just the sinner's prayer. It is much more than that. It is your life becomes a testimony of how God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ forms your thinking. You're not chasing things you shouldn't be chasing. You're not going to battle when you shouldn't go to battle. You're in your village, in your place where you belong. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, it involves a recognition of His Lordship. For the Savior who saved us when we received Him by faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot cannot and do not receive Him as Savior only. We receive Him as Lord and Savior. So Jesus both redeems, He both brings salvation but he also becomes a Lord. Anyone say amen to that? (laughs) I just felt this morning it was so important that we dedicate and rededicate our lives, especially that we get to be together for the first time after four weeks again. And in the spirit, I really just sense that this is the last time we have lockdown. This is the last time we're not getting together. From year on, we're growing. From year on, we're being further established. Not just as oasis, but us as people. And I know God needed to break certain things down. He needed to remove certain things in the last year and a half. Sorry. Um... And in this time, God wants to put us in a whole new different place going forward. I look back at a newsletter I wrote in 2019, and it was like, if you're bored of the mundane, (laughs) if life is just normal, I mean, there was just no sign we were going to go through two years of interesting happenings. 
And I realized, looking back, and now where we're at, just how much and how, how important it is to have real salvation. Because it's so easy to be part of a nice church, and it's so easy to go to church on Sundays, although some people find it hard to go to church on Sundays, but it's so easy. And it's so easy to do the right things and say the right things without the presence of God actually being there. Without Jesus having Lord of our lives. When fear comes, to step over fear. They say that a lot of the world is traumatized. You know, it's possible to go through things like what we've been through without being traumatized. Because Jesus is there. And when our focus is on Jesus, nothing surprises us, nothing throws us off our feet because He's Lord of our village. Is that, is that good? So why don't you stand? And we're just going to say a prayer together to rededicate and dedicate our lives. And I'm really praying and trusting that this is the start of something new in our lives, in our church, in our community. That this is the start of something new in our village. This is the start of something new in our area. This is the start of something new in our families. As the Holy Spirit awakens in us the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives and in our families. So, say this after me quietly. You don't have to repeat after me, otherwise it's going to get awkward. But (laughs) just agree with me. Father... I am sorry for being distracted. I am sorry for doubting your voice and not trusting in your favor for my life. I realize that without your presence and without your Holy Spirit in my life, I will never find peace and joy. I will never be fully satisfied as you intended me to be. But I thank you for giving me your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave up his life so that I can belong. I know that when I believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of my life, I am welcomed into your presence. I know that I am restored. I know that I am valued. I know that I am appreciated. Teach me to restore and value and appreciate the favor you bestow on me. Let me know and say, I am highly favored by God. Today I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of my life. And I receive His presence in my life as a free gift. One I fully deserve because I too am your son and your child and you are my father. And Father, help me to become a father to nations. Help me to become a mother to many who have been abandoned. Teach me to live and walk in your ways that I may know And see your goodness and your favor in every part of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you prayed that as a dedication, was a rededication, why don't you just put up your hands so we can just see? Come on. Yes. Yes. God is good. Now you've got to applaud with one hand up. <laughs> but I just trust that today something happened in our hearts as we dedicated and rededicated our lives to live in God's presence and have Jesus live in our lives as our Lord. And as our Savior, and we will not be distracted anymore. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.